Amen. Bow with me in prayer. Father, uh, we thank you for your amazing love. And truly, how could we not uh, sing? Uh, filled with gratitude from our hearts uh, to express our praise and our adoration and our worship of you, the one who alone is worthy of our worship, uh, worthy of our trust, uh, worthy of our love. And so, Lord, we come together this morning for the express purpose uh, to concentrate on you, uh, to give you our undivided attention, to give you our undying affection and our unwavering allegiance. And that, Lord, that uh, you would find pleasure in our praise, find pleasure in our worship uh, through baptism this morning, through the baby dedication, through our fellowship, through the teaching of your word, that all would work for our good to conform us more into the image of our beautiful Savior, Jesus, that as he is formed in us, he would be displayed through us into a lost world, that we truly would be used as instruments by you to extend your presence, to express your lovely character, and to demonstrate your power to save and deliver. So, Lord, bless this service that we might be a blessing to you and a blessing to this world. For it's in Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Please be seated and good morning. We're going to begin the service uh, today with uh, a baptism. Uh, Jonathan, our minister of education, will have the wonderful privilege of uh, baptizing his two oldest uh, children, his two oldest boys, which, by the way, are my grandsons, my two oldest uh, grandsons, grandchildren. And then uh, he'll also have the wonderful privilege to baptize Eric Robinson. And then following uh, Jonathan, uh, Brother David, the uh, former senior pastor here at Edgewood, who still serves on our staff as our senior adult minister, he will be baptizing eight women from uh, Damascus Way. And I think most of you are very familiar with Damascus Way. It's a wonderful Christian ministry for women. We're so glad to have uh, some of their staff. I know uh, Christy's here. Is uh, Deborah here? Deborah here is the director back here. Deborah's here. So it's just a joy to have uh, them with us and some of the other girls to be able to witness the uh, baptism. So I'll just turn it right over to, uh, I believe, Jonathan right now. Spirit. 
buried him in the likeness of his death, to be raised in the newness of life. Today to uh, have the privilege of baptizing some ladies from the Damascus Way ministry. I think most of you are familiar with that ministry. We have a particular relationship to it here at this church because Deborah Hunsinger, who's the director there, actually was a member here and was baptized here. And my daughter Christy is on the staff there. And then we have uh, another one of our uh, former members. Uh, who is also on the staff there. Each of these ladies uh, have come to know Christ as their Savior or they have reaffirmed their faith in Him and want to uh, demonstrate that by following Him in baptism. There will be seven of these ladies who will be baptized. Okay. Savior Jesus Christ, and upon the profession of your faith in Him, I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, 
and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
of your faith in him, I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I was right, that was it. You know, Brother David said seven, there was actually eight, but you know, in the aging process, you sort of lose, you know, ability with your numbers, and, uh, but uh, that was such a joy. Let's pause. I think it'd be very appropriate for us to pray for these individuals to know God's continued protection and a growth in their lives. Father, we thank you for each of these that were just baptized, for Anthony, Sean, Eric, and these precious, precious ladies uh, from Damascus Way. And Father, we do place each of them under the umbrella of your protection, that you would keep them from the subtle schemes and deceptions of the enemy, that they might walk with you all the days of their lives. Father, I pray that you would grant each of them that spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Christ, that you would open the eyes of their hearts, that they would be able to see with greater and greater clarity with each day that they live the majesty, the power, the glory, the wonder, the love, and the faithfulness of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, open their eyes 
to see your plans and to embrace those plans and walk in them. Open their eyes to see the grace that you've deposited in their hearts and give them the understanding to appropriate that grace, not only to know freedom from the very penalty of sin, but freedom from the power of sin. And then, Lord, let them know you as that power at work in them, giving them both the motivation and the energy uh, to follow you, that same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Enable them now, Lord, to walk in the newness of life that you have imparted to them. For it's in Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You know, I also want to express my appreciation to Brother David's uh, wife, Carol. I think all of you know Carol. You know, Carol has been teaching at Damascus Way probably over 15 years now, uh, involved in investing in these ladies' uh, lives. Now, Brother David, since his retirement from Ladonia, he's also got involved teaching down there. So it's just a great uh, ministry for uh, both of them. And again, it's, uh, it's just delighted to have you, Deborah, Christy, you girls, and uh, all of you here, and we trust God's blessing on you. Uh, let me just mention a couple of announcements, and then we'll move right into our baby uh, dedication. Uh, the primary announcement relates to next weekend. Uh, next weekend, uh, we will be hosting here at Edgewood uh, the National uh, Pregnancy Center uh, Conference. And uh, we have uh, well over 400 uh, attendees that will be with us from all over the nation. I think I mentioned to you last week, from as far west as uh, California, all the way from the East Coast, PA, and uh, all the way up north, Minnesota and Michigan, and of course throughout the Deep South, Midwest. And, uh, and we need your help. Uh, and the uh, primary way we need your help is that as you interact with our guests through the weekend... Uh, those of you that are serving, and they'll be with us on Sunday as well, just show them love. Give them appreciation. Uh, let's give them a hero's uh, welcome, and just let them feel Christ embrace uh, through our love and through our words of uh, appreciation. Many of you have signed up to serve, whether decorating or meals. You should have that information through email. I think also a letter went out to all of you. So you should have that schedule, uh, and uh, we need you to follow through on those commitments. It's still not too late if you would like to get involved. And so if uh, you have not yet had the opportunity to uh, sign up, if you would just stop by the information desk as you leave today, uh, someone will be there, I believe Javon Goldsmith, and she'll be glad to let you know where you can uh, plug in. And then remember with the conference, we kicked that conference off with the Friday evening, what we call Celebrate Life Service. That service will begin at 7.30. Uh, in that service, we uh, recognize the various ministries that are present. We give them a gift of appreciation uh, to give them that uh, hero's welcome. And then a combined choirs of Columbus, our choir and then a number of other from Columbus with a full orchestra, will be presenting a beautiful worship presentation entitled, God is Here. And you are invited. The entire church family is invited to that. And we would love to have you there. We ask you to be there to help us again greet our guests. And again, to give them that hero's welcome that they uh, deserve as they walk in God's grace to stand in the gap on behalf of these little ones that are being slaughtered and to see many others come to know Jesus as their Lord and as their Savior. And then uh, tonight, be a normal schedule, a one at 5.30, youth at 5.30. And then here in the evening service, I'll be leading that service, and I'm going to do a brief teaching on prayer. 
And then we're going to spend the rest of the time actually praying for the conference next weekend. I thought that would be the best way to utilize tonight. So that would be 6 o'clock right here in the evening uh, service. So uh, let's begin with the uh, baby dedication. Let me get my cheat sheets and everything up here. We have uh, three babies that are being uh, dedicated uh, today, and so let me, uh, let me bring them up, and uh, we also have a picture on the PowerPoints for these little ones, and uh, if y'all would just come up uh, right here across the middle, Jonathan has the uh, uh, certificates of dedication that he'll hand you as you come up, and the first is uh, Gavin Zachary Lund, big old boy. Uh, this is the uh, son of Eric and uh, Cassie Lund. We're so glad to have them back. The uh, uh, Army sent uh, Eric to Fort Bragg, and now they're back at Benning. And, uh, and of course, their uh, grandparents, Sue and uh, Teddy uh, Downey, and a lot of the family are over there. And so it's a joy to... Uh, baptized little Gavin. And then the second one will be uh, Grant uh, Christian McLeod. Parents are uh, Jimmy and Aaron. Both of these, of course, in our orchestra, Jimmy on the trumpet and Aaron on the uh, flute. Of course, uh, grandparents of uh, uh, the baby on Aaron's side is here, Dennis and Judy. And then uh, Hutchinson Brooks Tully. And parents are uh, Philip and Ashley. I know Philip's parents are here, Phil and Diane. So we got all boys today. I, I think, uh, Ashley, don't y'all call him Hutch? Okay, you call him Hutch. And uh, it's just a, it's a joy. You know, uh, in, uh, oh yeah, let me get the picture. Smile. Uh, all of you are familiar with uh, Psalm 127, uh, where we're told in that marvelous psalm that children are a what? A gift, a gift from, from God. And they're not only a gift from God, but that Psalm also says they're like arrows in the hand of a mighty warrior. And uh, the, the emphasis there is that uh, each of these children has a target to hit. And we're talking about the target of what? God's will, uh, God's plan for their lives. And of course, their parents are coming here this morning to dedicate their child to the Lord, which simply means they're saying, Lord, here's my child. I'm setting my child apart, surrendering him to you, that you would give grace that he would hit that target, that at a very early tender age you would bring my son to the saving knowledge of Christ, and that that grace would keep him, that he would walk in those works that you have preordained uh, for him. You know, Psalm 22 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old he will not depart from it. And that verse really captures the heart of baby dedication. That word train up is a fascinating word in the Hebrew text. It's the word kanak. 
and it has two fundamental meanings. The first is to dedicate. That word is actually used in another place in the Old Testament referring to the dedication of the temple to God. So again, the parents are bringing their child forward in the presence of these many witnesses, in the presence of God, and they're saying, God, I surrender. I dedicate my child to you to accomplish the purposes that you have destined for him. But that word kanak also has the meaning of creating a desire, uh, creating a hunger and a uh, thirst. And so as these parents come, they're saying, God, we need your help. We need your grace so that in our relationship, in our home, that we will provide such a godly, authentic atmosphere that it will create in my child a hunger and thirst for God. Uh, Lord, we're dedicating ourselves to you uh, to be able to model out before our child uh, the wonders of Jesus, the majesty and the glory and the reality of Jesus. So this is twofold, dedication of these children, but these parents renewing their dedication to God uh, to follow Him. So let's bow with me now, and uh, let's do exactly that. Uh, let's dedicate these babies to the Lord and dedicate the parents as well uh, to know God's enabling grace to raise their little one in the admonition and nur- nurture of God. Father, we thank you for each of these precious little ones, for, uh, uh, that you uh, would bless them as they are being dedicated to you. And Lord, that these parents have come forward in your presence, in the presence of the family of God, and Lord, they're releasing their child to you. Uh, Lord, they're wholly devoting their child to you. Acknowledging that this child is a gift from you, that they are mere stewards, and that this child does have a target to hit, a destiny to fulfill. And Lord, that is our prayer this morning, that as these children are dedicated to you, that you now would target each of these little boys, and that you would target them in such a way that you would move upon them, and that you would bring them to faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And then as you would bring them to faith in Christ as Savior and Lord, that they would know your enabling grace to be raised up to be mighty men of God. And for Lord, that is the reality. These baby boys are going to grow into older boys and into youth and then adults. And Lord, we pray that you will do in and through these young boys exceedingly abundantly above and beyond anything that we could even ask or think or pray for. Because Lord, we know when you want to right a wrong, when you want to preach a truth or do something new, you bring a baby into the world to do it. And so Lord, use these babies to accomplish the purpose you have for them. And then Lord, for their parents. Lord, these parents are coming before you acknowledging their total and absolute dependence upon you. That apart from you, they can do nothing. But through Christ, they can do all things. And so, Lord, I first pray for their marriage relationships. That as they love one another, they would model before their children the authenticity of their Christianity. As these husbands would grow in their love for their wives and love their wives as Christ loved the church. 
as these wives would be content to love their husbands and to love their children and be keepers of their home. And Lord, uh, give them that grace to create in their home, in their family, that godly atmosphere that would, as we mentioned earlier, create that hunger and thirst in these little ones uh, to come to know the God of their father and their mother, that uh, together that they would walk in your paths. Uh, Lord, we know that uh, there will be challenges, there will be trials going forward, and Lord, we know that you are adequate for each and every one that they will ever confront. And so, Lord, again, these children are yours. Protect them from all evil, from all evil and perverse people, and any evil or harm that could ever befall them. Provide for them physically, emotionally, and spiritually as they grow. And then, Lord, most important, capture their hearts, never to escape your grace, and purify those hearts that they would be men that walk with you and that please you. For it's in Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Well, give these little ones some love (laughs) and their parents. Well, right now, as they have the opportunity to make their way back and you can express your love and appreciation, let me ask you to stand and let's just enjoy a wonderful time of uh, fellowship and uh, we'll be back in just a moment. Amen. Thank you, young people. We appreciate that. Now, do you believe I can give a message in 20 minutes? No, I don't believe it either. Uh, but I can start a message, and I can finish it the next time. So uh, please open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, for those of you that are our guest, we have been, uh, I guess, about the last eight or nine months in the book of Hebrews, and uh, we now find ourselves in uh, chapter 11 of the book. And you'll notice the title of the message is what? It's a boy. And, of course, I think you probably can figure out what that's referring to, the birth of Isaac uh, to uh, Abraham and Sarah, a miracle birth in their uh, old age when they were way beyond the years where it would have been humanly possible for them to have had a child. So uh, let's read Hebrews 11, uh, verses 11 and 12. And then if you would turn over to Romans chapter 4, I also want to... uh, Correlate Romans chapter 4, verses 17 and 21 with these verses as well. Hebrews 11, verse 11 reads, By faith, even Sarah herself received ability to conceive. Notice, by faith, she received the ability to conceive even beyond the proper time of life. How old was Sarah when she conceived Isaac? Ninety. Ninety years of age since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, also, there was born of one man, and him as good as dead at that, as many descendants as the stars in heaven in number, and innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. And then over in Romans chapter 4, we read beginning at verse 17, As it is written, a father of many nations have I made you. In the sight of him whom he believed, even God, who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist, in hope against hope, he, Abraham, believed in order that he might become a father of many nations. According to that which had been spoken, so shall your descendants. 
And without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body, now as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Yet with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully assured that what he had promised, he, God, was able also to perform. If you'll notice in your sermon notes, the approach I'd like to take to these verses is to first look at the Old Testament narrative on Isaac's birth and, uh, and draw several lessons from that narrative. And then we'll turn to the New Testament commentary on that birth that we've just read in Hebrews chapter 11 and Romans 4 and draw lessons from that as well. So let's look at the first lesson that we can learn from the Old Testament narrative. And the first one is this, and that is the dangers of presumptuous faith. The dangers of presumptuous faith. And get this down in your notes. Impatience, impatience leads to rationalization. When we become impatient with God, when He's not working as quick as we want Him to work, uh, we, that tends to lead to rationalization. And rationalization leads to what? Foolish plans. Whenever we try to accomplish God's will our way, when you run ahead of God, watch out. Now, folks, that's exactly what happened to Abraham and Sarah. Uh, when Abraham was 75 years of age, Sarah would have been 65, is when God called Abraham out of the land of Ur of the Chaldees and gave him that wonderful promise that not only was he giving him a land, but he was going to give him what? A child. And through that child, he would have multiple descendants that could not even be, uh, be numbered. Well, ten years had passed since God had given the promise. And Abraham and Sarah began to get a little antsy. They were not seeing God come through and fulfill what He had promised He would do. And there was a lot of pressure. Do you, do you know what the name Abraham means? It means father of a multitude. So can you imagine in that Eastern culture where, that was built on hospitality, every time that Abraham would greet a new individual that maybe were coming by to uh, water his wells, oh, what's your name? Oh, father of a multitude. How many children do you have? None. And just think, just going through that year after year after year after year. Sarah's game, you know, the, the talk's clicking. They're not getting any younger. And, and so Sarah, as you remember, uh, she devises the plan. She has a handmaid by the name of Hagar, and will use her as a surrogate mother. You can impregnate my handmaid, Hagar, and she can give birth, and uh, through that child, uh, your descendants will come and, and be blessed. Uh, sounded reasonable, and to be very honest, in that day, in that social uh, setting, that was very acceptable. It was very customary for that very thing to take place. But folks, what are often social norms of the day are not acceptable godly practices. And what Abraham and Sarah did was basically rationalize what? 
adultery to accomplish God's purpose. And then you remember she gave birth to who? To Ishmael. That, of course, became the father of what? The Arab nations and uh, the conflict that has been there throughout the years between the Jews and the Arabs and the conflict that we're even seeing uh, today. Now, let's just learn from that mistake of Abraham and Sarah. I believe we would all agree that there is nothing more difficult in the Christian life than to wait on God. Amen? Nothing more difficult than to wait on God to fulfill His promise or to come through for us in a time of crisis and need. And we do tend, this is our natural tendency, to become very impatient just like Abraham and Sarah. And in our impatience, we do what? We take our eyes off of God and we put them on our circumstances, the challenge, the problem, and we begin to worry and we begin to fret. And to make matters worse, it is during the waiting period that we come under the most vicious attacks of the devil. As he will whisper in your ear that God has forgotten you, that God does not care. So you better take matters into your own hands and you better do it quickly. Uh, I think of David in Psalm 13. He had been given a promise from God that he would sit on the throne of Israel. But at the time that he wrote this psalm, he wasn't sitting on a throne. He was a rebel on the run. He was the most wanted fugitive in all of Israel as uh, Saul had become jealous. And David was forced to flee into the wilderness. He was living by hand and mouth, living in caves in the wilderness. And this went on for years and years and years. Nothing but darkness and despair and hardship and adversity. Where in the world are you? And this is what David wrote in that period of time. He says, how long, O Lord? Have you ever thought that, felt that, said that? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart all the day long? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? You know, when David says, how long shall I take counsel in my soul? You know what he's talking about? He's talking about wrestling with his own thoughts. As he begins to try to devise a scheme, a strategy to deliver himself because he believes that God has left him, that God has deserted him. And wouldn't we not all agree, would we not all agree that sadly we find it far too easier to try to manipulate people in circumstances than to trust God, than to wait on God. Now... How can we avoid making the mistake that Abraham and Sarah made? Well, first, simply recognize. This is a very simple truth, but it's very powerful. Recognize that God never, 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 ever leads a believer through impatience, fear, and worry. Because those things only serve to what? Remove God from the picture. 
These are the instruments of devil. God leads through what? Faith. And faith alone. And what is faith? Confidence in God that brings assurance and certainty and peace. Take your Bibles and turn over to 1 Peter chapter 5. Look at 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. It says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you at the, what are the next two words? Proper time. Humble yourselves. Don't rush out on your own, in your own strength, in your own understanding, to try to manipulate people in circumstances. No, you humble yourself. You submit yourself to the authority of God, to serve His plans, to seek His approval alone, to wait on Him. Submit yourself to that mighty hand of God. And it's, the promise is He will exalt you at the proper time. Notice verse 7, casting all your what? anxiety upon Him because why? He cares for you. God knows our human vulnerabilities. He knows that we will struggle with worry and anxiety. It's not the struggle that becomes sin. It's when we act on that worry and anxiety and stop trusting God. So He says, when you hit this battle, cast those cares on Him because He cares for you. Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, he prowls about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. But resist him. How? Firm in your what? Faith. Faith. Confidence in God. And then I love verse 10. And after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Amen? So, so simply first recognize, when, you, when, when you're waiting on God to fulfill a promise, or waiting for God to come through in a time of crisis, and you begin to struggle with impatience, just recognize, those are tools of the enemy. That's not God. Resist that firm in your faith. But not only recognize that reality, also what you need to do is to reflect on God's promise. Reflect on God's promise. Don't turn away from it, but reflect on it. And turn to God in prayer. Look to God in prayer. Listen to Isaiah 30. This is what the Sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says, Only in returning to me and resting in me will you be saved. In quietness and confidence is your strength. Have you ever heard the phrase... To have a quiet time, where well, there it is right there. When the pressure cooker inside your head begins to build, before it blows up and you do something stupid and develop this foolish plan like Abraham and Sarah did, slow down. Slow down. Get alone with God. Look up, reflect on His promises. Listen to Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. I, I love this from the paraphrase, the message. It says, don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. And folks, we can all do that. You know what, you know what worry is? 
Worry is just meditating on the problem, meditating on the challenge, meditating on the crisis. What is prayer? Meditating on God. So he says, don't worry, don't fret. Take your eyes off the circumstances, off the crisis. Look to God in prayer. And then notice what he says will happen. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness. Everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. So so recognize God never leads through impatience, fear, and worry. Those are instruments of the devil. Resist Him firm in your faith. Reflect on God's promises. Look to God in prayer. Get alone with God. Look up. And then third, the third thing is to remember the consequences of not waiting on God. In other words, think how a poor decision can impact your life and impact the lives of others. The ramifications of Abraham and Sarah's well-meaning, it was well-meaning, but terrible decision was far more devastating than anything they could have ever predicted. So you need to pause before you strike out on your own and realize the potential ramifications, not only your life, but those around you. Look at the second lesson, and we'll end here this morning. God is never in a hurry, but He's never late. Amen? He's never in a hurry, but He's never late. Twenty-five years passed from the time God gave the promise and when He fulfilled the promise through the birth of Isaac. Twenty-five years. He gave the promise again when Abraham was 75. And so, uh, now here He is, a hundred years old. Sarah is 90. Simply put, simply put, God does not operate on our timetable. And we might as well get used to that. He is not ruled or pressured by clocks or appointment books. His promises are timeless, and they are fulfilled more by the obedience of our faith than by our calendars. And if you find yourself struggling right now with waiting on God, let me give you seven passages to meditate on in the fashion that we just talked about. And I'll give you one for each day of the week. These are not in your sermon notes. And I would just suggest I'll give you the reference. You just write down the reference, and I'll share them with you. And I'm going to give you one for each day of the week. So if you're struggling right now, waiting on God to fulfill a promise, struggling with God to come through in a crisis need, you get these down. I'm going to give you a verse for Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. As you turn away from the circumstance, the crisis, and you reflect on God and His promise. Here's your Sunday verse. Psalm 62.1. Psalm 62.1, my soul waits in silence for God only. From Him is my salvation. My soul waits in silence for God only. From Him is my salvation. Psalm 62 verse 1. Here's your Monday verse. Short but precious. Lamentations chapter 3 verse 25. Lamentations, chapter 3, verse 25. 
the Lord is good to those who wait for Him. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him. Lamentations 3, 25. Here's your Tuesday verse. Psalm 25, verses 4 and 5. Psalm 25, verses 4 and 5. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. On you I wait all the day long. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. Psalm 25, verses 4 and 5. Here's your Wednesday verse. Psalm 37. Psalm 37, verses 7 and 9. Psalm 37, verses 7 and 9 for Wednesday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. And those who wait for the Lord, they shall inherit the land. Amen? So rest. We're back to that quiet time. The importance of stealing away. You know, I'll be very personal with you. Uh, for me, when I'm really hurting, really struggling with disappointment, there's a place I walk to from our home. It's probably a half mile through my way, a beautiful little creek area. And I'll take a chair out there with my Bible and just cry, pour my heart out before God, and reflect. And it's amazing over the years. Now, when I go to that little secluded spot and reflect on how he just, rest comes, quiet comes as you turn to him. Here's your Thursday verse, Psalm 130, verses 5 and 6. Psalm 130, verses 5 and 6. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word do I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning. Yes, more than those who watch for the morning. Psalm 130, verses 5 and 6. And then here's your Friday verse. Great one. Isaiah 40, verse 31. Isaiah 40, verse 31. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles... They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Isaiah 40, verse 31. And then here's your Saturday verse. Here's your Saturday verse. Isaiah 64, verse 4. Isaiah 64, verse 4. And this is one of my favorites. For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by the ear, nor has the eye seen any God besides you who acts for the one who waits for him. For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by the ear, nor has the eye seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of the one who waits for him. So there's my prescription for your impatience. Those seven verses. 
Sunday through Monday. Father, thank you for the opportunity at least to introduce this message and uh, to begin to uh, lay a foundation. And Father, uh, be our teacher. Lord, we acknowledge readily before you our tendency and our human frailty that when you give a promise and you don't act as quickly as we would like to see you act, or when we hit a crisis or a need and we don't see you come through as quickly as we think you ought to come through, Lord, I admit, we all admit, our tendency is to get very impatient. Our tendency is to worry. It is to fret. Our tendency is to try to manipulate people in circumstances, to deliver ourselves, to work it out for ourselves. Lord, Lord, break us of those tendencies. Teach us to put our faith in you. Teach us to trust in you. Teach us to recognize that you never lead through impatience, worry, or fret. That we're to turn from that, to resist all of that in faith, placing our confidence in you. Teach us to get alone, to get quiet, to reflect on you, to reflect on your promises. And also to remember the consequences of foolish plans. And not only the ramifications on our own lives, but how it can impact the lives of others. And then, Lord, uh, drive into our hearts that you're never in a hurry, but you're never late. That we can count on you. And as we'll see next week, what you're doing in that waiting period is developing our faith. Developing our relationship with you. So like Abraham, we can be called a friend of God who knows you intimately. For it's in Christ's name we do pray. Amen.